Hello and welcome to the Guys Like Us podcast. This is your host, Tyler Brondike. And today I'm joined with Mark Gregston, who's an author and founder of Heartlight Ministries and Parenting Today's Teens. So stay tuned. Hello and welcome to the Guys Like Us podcast. This is your host, Tyler Brondike. Today I'm joined with Mark Gregston, author and founder of Heartlight Ministries and Parenting Today's Teens. Welcome aboard, new listeners and longtime listeners. Thanks for your continued support in this podcast. If you've been tuning in for some time and if you've enjoyed and this has helped you grow in your faith, I'd love if you can share um, this podcast or maybe one other podcast with some friends um, you know, just by sending a text message or posting on social media, however you communicate to your audience, that'd be a great way to support, or you can leave a rating and review on however you're listening to this podcast. Super excited for today. It's a treat. We talk with Mark. He is a teen expert, um, has written numerous books and operates in the kids world. He spends a lot of time with, you know, adolescents. Um, and in this episode, we talk about parenting. He's now a grandparent. So we shift into, uh, into grandparenting as well. Um, but really what, what it looks like today for today's teens, the 21st century, they're, uh, having new challenges and, um, and new pain points, but the word remains the same. And so how do we continue to point point children to to God and just the gospel of grace and love while also you know showing and showcasing discipline and the choices that you make are going to impact the future as well and so I'm excited we really talk about what the hope of Jesus brings and how that changes everything so without further ado here is my conversation with Mark Gregston Excited to welcome you, Mark, to the podcast and to the listeners yeah. of the guys like us. Thanks for tuning in and joining oh, us today. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, and so um, excited for today. You know, you're um, uh, you've been you know at this center now and at, at this uh, this this school um, in Texas, and we just would love to kind of learn a little bit more about yeah. kind of your background and how you how you started <laughs> Heartlight Ministries and just kind of the yeah your your heart, I guess, for for teens yeah. and for for folks and families who are, um, who are struggling, but are looking to kind of find, uh, find a, find, find the path to kind of to, to back home, so to speak. Yeah. 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 yeah you know, it, yeah. I mean, it's funny when I was, uh, when I was younger, I saw the Beatles, um, when I was like nine years old, uh, in new Orleans where I was raised and, and, uh, and then I accepted Christ at a beach boys concert, um, like in the end of the sixties. And then my wife and our first date was when this Christian band came through Tulsa, Oklahoma, uh, called Led Zeppelin, and uh, and so that was 50 huh. years ago, which is which is crazy, and uh, and now I speak at arenas with the Gaither Vocal Band, and so I've kind of gone this whole gamut of of stuff, and and I mean from the Beatles to the Gaithers, which I thought the Gaither stuff was going to be a bunch of old people with clanging you know oxygen tanks and everything mm-hmm. else, and and I think that's what I would say about the the time that I've spent helping kids and working with kids. I've kind of gone the gamut. I've when my wife and I were 19, right before we got married, um, somebody asked us if we would lead a Young Life Club. And um, mm-hmm. Young Life is an outreach to kids. And I said, well, sure, we will. And within two weeks, a man walked up to me and said, hey, I'm struggling with my child. What do I do? And I'm going, 
I don't know. Let him come live with me. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that's really how it started. And and so Jan and I got married. And then after a number of years, uh, you know, of, of living with kids and going to school at the same time, my degrees in real estate investments and finance. And um, but my heart has always been toward kids. I worked for a church for a number of years. I left that, went to a Christian sports camp in Branson, Missouri, and um, was there for seven mm-hmm. years and then left that 33 years ago and said, I'm going to start my own deal that that uh, uh, is really more, you know, of a residential counseling center for kids just because mm-hmm. I was unhappy with, you know, wherever you would send your child when they're spinning out of control, I, they were dumps. And, and I thought... There's got kids, kids really, you know, uh, are wanting something more Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. we, we need to offer that to them. So we created Heartlight and we, Mm -hmm. I live with 60 high school kids. They come from all over the country and I, we have a staff of 40 that live with them as well, Mm -hmm, but they come from all over the country and there's kids, there are kids just like my kids and everybody else's kids who have made a bad decision, uh, who are moving down a path, uh, who have been influenced by the culture in such a way that. And I'm not an anti-world kind of guy by any means, but they've just been influenced in their head and on path. And a parent finally says, if this continues, my child's not going to be around. Mm-hmm. And so now we've had 3,000 kids live with us through the years. And and um, I just got asked last night to do another wedding of another one. I've done over 400 weddings of kids. And, and I'm it's all these, the craziness of all of it is I never planned any of it. Mm-hmm. There, not one thing was ever planned. And mm-hmm. You, you look at the campus of Heartlight and somebody goes, man, this is, it's like you've had a master plan and you built this beautiful facility. And I go, you know what? I, there's never been a plan. There's never been a master plan. I think the master had a plan. Hmm. Uh, but if he told me, I, I'm sure I would have screwed it up in some way. And so so even writing books or doing radio stuff or whatever, I, it's just been something that's happened. It hasn't been anything that's been real intentional about Hey, let's build kind of a, a kid's empire or let's do this. I, everything has been a total surprise to me. Yeah. And and so where I'm very goal oriented every day, I don't have that hmm. uh, that plan to line out everything in the next few years. And I, I'm just I'm just not that way. I never have been that way. Uh, and hmm. yet um, something's worked. I think God's done a good job of of. Uh, not sharing with me what what he wanted me to do, and uh, I've, I've just kind of followed the needs of people and where mm-hmm. he's directed. So, mm-hmm. so here I am, 66 years old. Uh, I know I'm getting older. Um, uh, the reason I was a little bit late getting on this podcast because I had a baby raccoon walking around my feet while I was trying to blow dry my hairstyle from two billion years ago, and and you know, and 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 get this mustache from 1880 in line so I can get on with you and stuff. But I go. It, it to me, it's an interesting world of of, of change, and yet yeah. there's a lot of things that don't change, and that's the word of God and, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. how we implement that and share that and mm-hmm. bring that to a culture that is living in a very different time, just because of the way people communicate. And so, I, I'm I'm up for the challenges, and I, as I said, I'm not an anti-world kind of guy. I don't think the world's a, an evil evil place. I think it's a wonderful place, and God loves this world, and so do I. And and 
but yet we mm. want to offer something to kids and families and say, hey, here's here's a direction you can go and it'll change the destiny of your family. Mm-hmm. Uh, it'll change the future generations, you, the way you grandparent, the way you great-grandparent, the way you engage with your child. And so 100 years from now, hopefully your family will be doing mm-hmm. well because of choices that you've made now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, that's well, a mouthful. Isn't yeah, it? no, and, and it's it, no, it's great, and it, 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 it gives me. There's a lot of kind of points in there that I that I find fascinating. And one I think is, yeah, God is a creator and clearly cares about creation in the world that yeah. He has created, and you know that's the initial initial blessings of creation. Um, so clearly, obviously, there's 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 a lot of areas where there's uh, it's been corrupted and tainted throughout. Um, yeah. But yeah, but and as you said, and so actually, that that's kind of where I want to shift but before that I want to encourage you sure. that the mustache is making a comeback for for <laughs> for the for this gener yeah i've been i, I know i've I been know. seeing people i've been f- seeing folks with it would this be considered a handlebar mustache or what is that considered well, kind of you know it's just kind of grown that way and, and i can't get rid of it now because it's kind of the signature stuff it's in all of our logos and everything else and so people <laughs> remember remember me by he's that guy with the mustache and yeah. so yeah i know i can't get rid of it yet so oh my goodness anyway. yeah no it's I, I appreciate it and this this unfortunately will not be on video so uh listeners will just have to use their imagination uh, yeah, to, yeah 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 or perhaps yeah, actually as you said it's it's on it's on all of your logos so we can right. uh, we'll, we'll link the website at the end here but uh and most people are thinking god what does this guy look like he's got a mustache that hangs down to his knees you know <laughs> stuff like that and and no it's not like that it's trimmed up but but it is big so it is big yes yes it's 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 tamed um, yeah. And so, yeah. And so what are some of the, the ch- so some folks who are listening, you know, might be youth pastors or involved with the youth or yeah. might have kids of their own um, and know some of the challenges that kind of teens in this next generation are, are facing in culture yeah. and just in, you know, in their lives. But for some, you know, some of the folks might, might not be as inter- uh, as kind of aware and are, you know, you're, we're all seeing a lot of change happen, but what are some of the biggest changes yeah. that you're finding are really kind of putting a dent in the development of a lot of these teens' lives. Well, you know, I, I, mean, I think the greatest challenge that a parent has is trying to accommodate the values and truths, biblical truths and morals and, and all of those things to, to a world that's, that's just doing things differently. I mean, the American Medical Association has increased the age of adolescence stage 27. The American Journal of Adolescent Psychiatry mm-hmm. has increased age 26. And somebody goes, well, why... Why are our kids not growing up as fast? That the that the world the word hmm. adolescent is really a transitional term yeah. that now goes from age eleven to age twenty six, and that is unbelievable for me. But it but it shows the importance of parents to be involved in the life of their kids, to help them not only teach but to train. And I think the training part of it is where it becomes very difficult for parents to transition and say, okay, I, I, I've been doing all this for you. Now I'm going to let you start doing things. I'm going to let you make decisions. I'm going to let you uh, assume responsibility. I'm going to let you become independent. I'm going to force you to work. I'm going to make you, uh, you know, break this world of entitlement that you feel like you have. And I yeah. think all of those things are happening because kids are spending so much time you know, uh, looking at their phone, spending time uh, thinking that this is the way I, I, I you know, I, I engage with people. And, and what happens is that that they're not building the relationships, the eyeball to eyeball contact, but somebody else where it's the depth of relationship that gives them a sense of value, that pushes them to maturity, mm-hmm. that encourages them in all those different ways. And I think that's why I, I really think it's the communi- communication style of a 
of kids that is postponing their their development. I mean, hmm. they really believe, they really believe that they have a lot of friends. They really believe I got a million followers. I've, you know, and that's all they think about all the time. This comparative theology mindset that they have that says I'm gonna compare myself to somebody else continually will steal their joy out of their life because they're never good enough. And so if they're never good enough and parents are always pushing them for perfection, then what happens is a child begins to go, I'll never make it. And so never Mm -hmm. have we had a group of kids that are striving as hard to engage with, with other people, but they can't, you know, because they don't have the tools to do that. But the pressure is so Mm -hmm. great that they're ignoring the very values that they've been taught in pursuit of the thing that they want the most. And, you know, 72% of seventh graders last year in a study of a hundred thousand kids said, I want to be famous. And I'm going, I didn't know one kid in the seventh grade that wanted to be famous. You know, we just wanted to eat more at lunch and and chase girls. And, you know, I mean, we just wanted to do normal stuff, but not this. I need so many followers. I need. And so it becomes very confusing for them Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. because they can't fulfill the very thing that God has created them for. And that is relationship. And so I think the challenge of communication is there. I think the Mm -hmm. performance mentality is different. I think that the way that a parent engages with their child, it can no longer demand perfection. It can't uh, utilize the authority that, that, you know, where they're slapping there and hopefully people can hear that I'm hitting my fist against my hand where you're going to listen to me and this is how it's going to be. Nor can parents be judgmental or even appear to be judgmental or what will happen is they'll lose their kids. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where we're seeing kids, 82% of kids um, Mm -hmm. are leaving the church for a period of time, usually a period of 10 years. Then they come back, you know, when they turn 30 years old because Mm -hmm. they, they are going, this is too much pressure. Or it's saying to parents, you've got to train your child up. Not just teach them. They're tired of the teaching. They want to be trained to know how do I take the things that I've learned and engage in my world that's full of challenges. I mean, from the from the gender issues to homosexuality to the acceptance of, of porn, 4.3 million porn sites. I never knew there were that many naked women in the world. You know, I mean, it's to me, it's absolutely mm-hmm. amazing the pressures that these kids have because of their access to the internet and how that's opened their world. And so instead of thinking that as a parent or a grandparent that we've got to get rid of the internet, you know, we've got to get rid of their cell phones. They're always spending time looking at them. You know, I'm going, that ain't going to happen. What we've got to do is learn how to engage with them in such a way that it offers them hope, that it offers them a sense of encouragement and it offers them something that they're not getting anywhere else. And hopefully that's the relationship that they have with you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now that's a long answer to a short question, isn't it? I, well, I, I always appreciate good, long answers too. It, it makes it makes my job easier. So I don't. There you go. There you go. <laughs> no, no. So it, um, I think one of the things you point out is a delayed adolescence, and I, from what I've been reading and kind of seeing in some studies, is that parent, uh, sorry, kids are staying longer with their folks at at their house, yeah. um, are not going out as much, and so like. I feel like in the past generations, uh, kids are more likely to get in trouble, you know, for going out, staying out too late or hanging yeah. out with friends. And that's not happening as much um, not. as it is now. And so I, I and but on the you know, so I, one, I think on one hand you say, OK, well, you know, they're they're a little bit more cautious. But on the other hand, 
I think in what you're pointing to is that perhaps they're not getting the exposure that they need to relationally. Yeah. Um, and are, yeah. as you said, it's, uh, teens say that they're very connected and have a lot of friends, but then yeah. loneliness and depression and anxiety are, are increasing as well. And so there seems to be kind of a, a dissonance between those two. Um, there really is, you know, you know, Tyler, you look at the suicide rates and, and I'm not one of those guys that want to scare people into waking up, but suicide rates, the second highest grouping of suicides are 15 year old boys. 15-year-old girls, it's been the highest uh, that it has been in 75 years. And it's because we hear of suicides by Robin Williams and Kate Slade and, you know, all these all these folks that are out there that have a lot of public viewing and you hear about kids doing that all the time. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I mean, it, it's it's interesting. I, you know, when I grew up, I didn't know that there was one person that knew of somebody else that committed suicide other than, you know, the idiot of the family or the mentally ill person, the way they would say it and, you know, kind of demean those people. Sure. And, and you know, here I am in my mid sixties and I know, I know 40 kids that have taken their life. Mm -hmm. I mean, and, and so it, it, it has mm -hmm. shifted. At the same time, alcohol consumption has been cut in half by sophomores and juniors in high school. Right. The, right. You know, the teen pregnancies have been cut in half in the last 10 years. I mean, right. I, I think there's a part of it where kids feel, you know, that they, that they don't want to go out. I, I think part of that's fear. But part of it is I had a 25-year-old kid who I think is, uh, you know, kind of a clown on a couch playing video games. You know, he looked around, he looked at me and I said, don't you want to move out? Don't you want to? And he goes, why would I leave this? This I've got everything. Why would I leave this? I said, because this isn't normal. At 25, you're not supposed to be living with mommy and daddy. And you're supposed to have a life somewhere. Hmm. And, and he goes, who says? Hmm which is a challenge, you know, and, and, and so there's a part of me that, that thinks that, that, that it, it's not that they're just fearful, they're not prepared to enter the world. And so, and it's this world that you and I have said, and any other parent has said, I'm glad I don't have to grow up in. Well, you know what? People said that during the 60s. Mm -hmm. They said that during the 70s. They said it during the 80s because disco was out and everybody thought it was the end of the world. I mean, the apocalypse was coming because of disco. I mean, it, right, right, you know, you, right. you just kind of go, it is somewhat bizarre, but our kids are scared to death. They don't want to date anymore. I want them to, I want them to go out. I want them to pick a mate. I want them to have choices. I want them to learn how to make decisions and, and take responsibility for their life because the byproduct of that is maturity. Hmm. And so it's, I mean, everything's somewhat delayed. I mean, even the marriage, Marriage right now is so delayed that it's 29 years old for a young man to get married. And I go, that's kind of normal anymore. Mm -hmm. And not that there's anything wrong with, with that. I go, maybe it's because they're making good choices and using their head. But if they're doing all that out of fear, I don't think that's how God wanted us to live our life, fearful of everything so we don't engage with anybody. He created mm -hmm. us to be relational. He wants us to be relational and he wants us to engage with people so that so that we can offer them something that they need in their lives as well. Mm -hmm, and so it's mm -hmm. not just about what I get, but now it becomes the mission of what I can give. Mm -hmm. And when kids are so consumed with themselves, trying to boost themselves up, I think it's very hard to be focused on anybody else. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's kind of like kids on mission trips. They can't wait mm -hmm, to get that mm -hmm. little kid in their lap and, and take a picture, not because they've had a great you know, impact on that kid is because they want to show everybody else, hey, look how, 
look what I'm doing. I'm right. over here in Africa or I'm in Guatemala or I'm down in South America. And, sure. and I want to show people that I have significance. So it is about show. What we've got to do is help kids move from that sense of show to a sense of performance that, that doesn't measure their value, but gives them significance and purpose to their life so that they feel fulfilled to fulfill the very thing that God has created them mm-hmm. uh, to be in this world. Mm. Significance and purpose. I think that's really, really interesting. And one thing I was thinking is that I think is the lack of commitment too. And a lot of, I think one of the things we're seeing is teenagers are la- are not, or actually in people in their twenties are not committing or they're almost like you're a free agent, you know, yeah. and you can yeah. go where you want to go. You can t- leave a job if you want to leave. You can leave a relationship when you want to leave. Right. Yeah. And there's nothing, yeah. there's nothing under God binding you or that has been kind of where you're committed and you're orienting your life to, you know, which is a change. Yeah. And I think, and, and, and there's other change, you know, the other challenges is that, you know, a lot of employers are not, you need five, 10 years of experience to make a decent living, you know, or you need more experience now, at least I know in new England and a lot of kind of some yeah. of these, yeah. these places where I'm in and uh, other, other folks in the big cities, but you know, so trying to save, you know, that, that there is a, a level of, ah, like saving up and, and, and being wise in your, in your finances and in your yeah. situation is, is, a, is a godly thing. The other end, take risk, you know, being being bold, being courageous, making that commitment is a is an act of, of responding in courage rather yeah, than yeah. living in fear. Yeah, you so. know, and we have a staff of, <clears throat> our staff is kind of young. I, I mean, that live with the kids that, that are with us. They're 21, 28 years old. And it and it, yeah. it does amaze me that they'll come in and give a two weeks notice, say, I'm out of here, I'm doing something else. And I'm going, what, you just committed to a year. You, you made a commitment, you, you know, but it's, well, I feel like God's telling me to leave. And and there is a part of that that I understand. But the other part of it is that I hear that over and over and over again. Right. When life gets hard, then then I'm going to move on to the next thing to make life easier. But the, yeah. but the I think the bigger issue for a lot of kids is that they don't understand that you have to go through the hardness mm-hmm of uh, to get to the glory i mean kids watch the olympics as we've watched for the last couple of weeks and it's interesting to me they all want to wrap the flag around them and parade around and and say aren't i great i mean and so they they want that desperately mm-hmm. but i go and, and i swam competitively for 13 mm-hmm. years but i go you know if if you would know the work that has gone into that you know to get to that point it, it would scare kids to death mm-hmm. and they go you know i don't want to do that I just, I just want the glory. And I, and I think that's where uh, some people want the recognition a lot more than they want the money. Uh, Some people want to be, they want somebody to pat them on the back without them making any kind of sacrifice. And it's like, I want to have all the perks without all the work that goes behind it. And I, I think that's a very hard place for a 20 year old to be. And it pushes me even further to say, it's our job as parents and grandparents and right. and peers to to mutually encourage kids to stick it out you know stick with what they've made a commitment to to engage in such a way that that it's okay to go through hard times because when you get married you're going to go through hard times and i just celebrated my 46th anniversary yesterday you know i've been you know right. with the same young lady mm-hmm. for 50 years you know and right. you don't think we've had some challenges, but then you're going to have kids and it's going to be hard. Then you're going to go to work and it's not going to be as perfect as you think it is. And I go, so 
So that's what mm -hmm. we've got to build up in these kids. And when, when they're pursuing this kind of a avant-garde mentality, I'm going to go do whatever I want and be whoever I am. There's a part of me that says, take advantage of it while you can. But there's another part of me that goes, but be smart in the process mm -hmm. and, uh, and start making good decisions. It's time to grow up. And mm -hmm. so that's my comment that mm -hmm. I would make to anybody in their 20s. No, and thank you. And, and, and looking at, at least when I was kind of doing some research and looking at, at, at the ministry, noticing how, you know, at least per, and perhaps these numbers have slightly changed, but 50 or so uh, kids to about 40 or so staff members at least from what I was looking at. Tell me a little bit about why kind of you have that that kind of ratio, that, that dynamic from kind of between between folks who are kind of on staff or providing support and, you know, mentorship and... Yeah, yeah. You, yeah. Know, you know, a lot of our kids, people get this idea when you send your child off, they must be an incorrigible juvenile delinquent that isn't worth, doing, you know, spending time with. And I would tell you that every one of our kids, if you can see them, uh, they're no different than you and me and and uh, all the other great kids at church and Young Life sure. and all these camps and everything else. They're wonderful kids. Mm -hmm. They've just made some poor decisions. And, and, I, and I think what happens is most of our kids that we deal with have already been raised in Christian families. And, and so when, when kids begin to struggle, they reject the very thing that their parents love the most. And so it's kind of like a you, I don't want to be around. I don't want this. I don't want that. You know, it's, it's leave me alone. I want to live on my own. I, you know, on and on and on. And I think the only thing that's going to break that is a relationship. And, uh, mm. I mean, a true relationship where somebody can see a godly example in somebody else, where they can see the word of God become flesh where somebody's not talking to them all the time about a walk. I mean, I hear people saying all the time, well, I want to do this and I want to do this. And this is what we want to do. And we started, we're starting an organization because we want to do this and we want to do this. And I go, but tell them what you want to do. Tell them what you are doing. And, and there's a difference by, by saying, just don't tell me about the word of God. Show me the word of God. Mm -hmm. And we all know that when kids turn 12, 13 years old, the transition moves from, from words to more about actions. And we all know that, that your actions speak louder than words, that it's not what you say, it's what you do. And, and so we have the opportunity to be blameless and to walk before young people and say, follow me because I'm following him. And what that means is, mm -hmm. is that you've got to live your life in such a way that you're available, but you're also engaging with them on their terms. And it truly is out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth will speak. And when it does speak, hopefully what it's doing is offering them a sense of hope amidst the chaos they feel that they're living in. I mean, I think they feel like they live in a tougher world than um, what we think they live in. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's, you know, I think it's challenging times, but I think every every decade has been challenging times. And, mm -hmm. and I go, mm -hmm. it's really not as bad as you think it is. There really aren't many, there really aren't that many sharks out there wanting to kill you in the water. You know, I mean, it's... We hear about it all the time. And now my grandkids, we go to Cabo San Lucas, they don't even want to get in the water because they're afraid they're going to get eaten by a shark. And it's Megalodon and, you know, and Sharknado. It's Jaws 16. And, and so they're scared to yeah. death because they're bombarded yeah. with all this information that everybody's dying from shark attacks. And I'm going, that isn't happening. Right. You know, it, it, the number of people that die from shark attacks in this country um, is less than one every year. And I go, so... Yeah. So this bombardment of information, 
they need a relationship with somebody that can help them sort through that, to give them yeah. not just opinions, but perspective, to, to be quiet and listen. I would get this idea, we're going to be talking all the time. And I go, you know what, a fool delights in airing his opinion. And scripture says that even a fool appears wise when he keeps his mouth shut. There is something about that in opening your ears and listening to the heart of teens that gives you the opportunity for them to start asking you questions where you can take them where they want to go rather than always taking them where you want to go. And I, I think that's the difference between maybe punishment and discipline. Discipline is helping a kid get to where they want to go and keeping them from where they don't want to end up. And so it just means I engage differently. And that happens through a personal relationship. And I learned that a long time ago mm -hmm. when I was 19. I think I got lost in thinking that it was how you performed athletically or how many scripture you can memorize. I was uh, the Oklahoma Bible quiz champ of 1969, you know, and, and I mean, yeah. it was all these other measurements. And really, it's 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 really the relationships that you have mm. that make all the difference in the world. I mean, you can you can bottle up all the scripture that you want and know everything about scripture and have not one relationship with somebody to share that with. And then it's, yeah. it's, it's of no use. Right. And I think God, all of scripture and God desires for us to influence other people mm -hmm. and to be mm -hmm. a part of their lives to do that. Not, not to yell at them from a distance and not to preach at them all the time, but to show them and give them a loving example, give them a taste of the character of God through the relationship that you have with them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh man, it's like we're on the same page of where you're going right now. And that's actually exactly in, mm -hmm. so in your book, Grandparenting Teens, which is uh, now available, so congratulations, yeah. or available soon. Uh, when this podcast will be released, it'll be available. Um, and um, one of the things you mentioned is that, yeah, the difference between discipline and punishment. And I think that's a good shift, um, which still appreciates discipline. So I think there is a lack yeah. of, yeah. Uh, of there is kind of, we live in this kind of flat, everyone is the same, no matter how, you know, how much experience you have or how old you are. Uh, which I, I don't think is I don't think is a smart way to live, um, right. but at the same time, you know, punishment it, I think it, it it can be too legalistic and it can it can yeah. turn people yeah. away too. But this discipline is super important um, because it yeah I mean you need to go through some pain and some struggle in order to kind of get through the other side. Um, yeah, and I and I think what happens, Tyler, is is that when when a when a child begins or, or a person or your neighbor begins to realize that you're you're an ally. You're not an enemy. You know that that it. I will I will walk alongside you and I'll help you get to where you want to go, and I'll keep you from where you don't want to end up. That now I'm helping somebody. You know, and but but that means I, I'm engaging with them. I'm loving mm. them regardless yeah. of of what, where they are. You know, yeah. I mean, you know, it's like it's it's like somebody asked me. Um, I had a young lady say, um, she goes, well, you know that I'm gay. And I was joking with her. And I go, well, I, me too, me too. And I was just kind of joking with her. And then and then she came back. She said, well, I've always been interested in, me girl, in girls. And I go, ah, me too, me too. You know, I mean, so hmm. the engagement is what's important. And so now she starts asking questions. And, and whether hmm. she's gay or not, I don't care. That's not... It doesn't matter to me. It doesn't change my life. I can tell her there's nothing you can do to make me love you more. There's nothing you can do to make me love you less. You've got to make good choices in life. I mean, and, and I'll help you do that. And she said, well, would you come to my wedding if I married a girl? And I go, well, absolutely. Sure, I would. She goes, would you perform the wedding? I said, absolutely not. I won't. Because I believe one way 
you believe another. And that's okay. We can have a wonderful relationship. And I and I think and I and I say that because I I, I think a lot of Christian parents and grandparents and everybody are faced with hmm. challenges with their kids, and we get this idea that we have to convert them or change them. That's 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 God's deal. God changes people. You know, I, I I haven't changed one kid. I've created the atmosphere for change to happen, but hmm. I haven't created. I mean, I haven't changed a kid. And I can still love people regardless. I can I can love them whether they love Jesus or hate Jesus. I I mean I that's that's not my job. My job is to love them in such a way that they get a taste of the character of God. All the other stuff will be sorted out in some way. And so I'm one of those guys that that because I live with kids that you know have tried suicide and half of them have you know some of them have gender issues some of them are dealing with anxiety and depression and some of them you know half of the kids that live with us would tell you that they wouldn't be here had they not come live with us and so so you get to deal with all those things and yeah a lot of it is just stuff I don't like I mean but when Scripture says come to me who are weary and heavy laden and you will find rest for your soul. Well, you know what weariness and heavy laden looks like? <laughs> mm -hmm. The kids that live with us. Mm -hmm. So it's all mm -hmm. that mess. And into that mess, I just say, let's engage with them. And sometimes that's hard. Sometimes it's hard because they're not living up to my expectation. But I think that's the point. This isn't about me anymore. Mm -hmm. Punishment has an amazing way to engage a child to, to say there's consequences for your actions. And I believe in that. But there's a shift in the way that we say, now you are beginning to become responsible for your life. And so you need to figure this out and I will help you, but I'm not gonna tell you what God wants for you. You gotta figure that out. And I'll mm -hmm. be right there to help you process all of it. And so now as, a, as one who is disciplining somebody, it's like a coach, a coach mm -hmm. disciplines you know, an athlete, mm -hmm. you need to do this and don't do these things or it's going to take you to a place you don't want to end up. So the same way mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. is the way that we engage with kids to say, you've got some choices to make and you can come out on the other side of this and what, whatever the, the, the choice is, I'm still going to love you. That's not going to change. But choose wisely because it will determine whether you're happy or not or whether you're fulfilled or you feel like you're mm -hmm. significant in life. Do that. And, and, and some people would say, well, Mark, you're compromising your beliefs. And I go, not at all. Not mm -hmm. at all. I, I can believe different than somebody else and still love them. And mm -hmm. we get this idea of we've been conditioned to think that, that uh, well, if they don't believe the same way we do, then we can't love them. And I go... It's not what Jesus says. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, it's mm -hmm. that I just don't see him talking about that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Anyway. No, I, it's I mean, I have having these conversations. I think it's interesting. And the level of engagement, because um, I think, I mean, I think there is sometimes, as you said, where, where you know, where God does not engage with, uh, with certain situations or, or says, yeah. no, you know, and is pretty strict from kind of the get-go. Um, other times, right, sitting with um, or, you know, sharing or being with prostitutes um, and, and being with people, you know, who were outcasts and her people who, who didn't were not kind of at the at the same table that Jesus was kind of or, you know, that culture was yeah. kind of hanging with as well. And so there is that level. And I think it's always tough of like how as people of faith, we kind of keep this almost like it's almost like this. I think there is like kind of this like exilic component in this holiness separation but yeah, also yeah. but also engage and 
um, yeah, and, and show people the way and, and lead through kind of what grace looks like. Um, yeah. And then it can be hard. I think today it's, there's a lot of chat. There's a lot of, um, people who are responding in different ways. And, um, I think there's an elegant way of doing it. And, um, that's, but I think the biggest thing is, yeah, it, it is, it's, it's through love and it has to be, it's that the yeah. same love yeah. that Jesus extended to you, ha- I believe is the way that we have to first look at other people. Um, absolutely. Then, yeah. Yeah, yeah. There's something about that, 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 uh, that offers hope to somebody else. You know, I mean, quite honestly, I think people make choices in their life all the time and and, yeah. and they get alienated uh, because they're not making the right choices. You know, and I think what happens is that those people that, that move into judgment have forgotten that they were at one time in their life lost. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, we all sing about it. I mean, if, you know, I, right. I, I once was lost, but now I'm found. But if you forget that you were once lost, then you'll become very judgmental. And, and I go, I, I remember when I was lost. I remember what it was like when nobody, nobody came next to me to help mm. me. And, and I go, I think Jesus would. I think Jesus would be the one. You know, I was walking down Highway 51 outside of Stillwater, Oklahoma, at Oklahoma State University. Mm. Woken up from an all-night drunk. I ended up in a hotel room not knowing where I was. And I was, I was going, I can't live like this anymore. Mm. And I was walking back and uh, to my dorm room. I don't even know how I got to where I was. But you know what? I, I mean, nobody stopped to pick me up. Nobody stopped to give me a ride. But on that walk, Jesus did. Hmm. You know, and, and I and so I go, I want to be like that. I want to pull over for those people that are lost. And I don't deal with rebellious kids. I mean, some people would say they're all rebellious. I go, it's, it's amazing to me that we get all these rebellious kids, evidently, or bad kids together. And they learn about the depth of relationship and they get a taste of the character of God by interacting with all these other bad kids, which just shows me this. They're not bad kids. They are no different from me. They're Mm -hmm. just making poor choices at the same time that I was making poor choices. Mm -hmm. So who am I to sit in judgment or who am I to to feel like it's about my program and not their program, that it's all about what mm-hmm. I want for them. It's not. It's what mm-hmm. they want, what God desires for them. Mm-hmm. I'm just the conduit to make that happen, you know, mm-hmm. and so I create the atmosphere. But but to mm-hmm. think that I change people, mm-hmm. I don't. Mm-hmm. I create an atmosphere. I give them hope. I try to encourage them. I engage with them so that they Mm -hmm. can get a taste of something that they're maybe not getting somewhere else. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what, what brings people back to a relationship with Christ or to Mm -hmm. process the very things that, that they've learned into how to live in a, in a world that, that um, truly in a world that's a challenge for them as well. Um, Mm -hmm. I mean, I think kids are very challenged and I do think they Mm -hmm. operate out of fear. And that's why we see, um, you know, anxiety levels just shooting through the roof and depression shooting through the roof. And we see suicides when somebody says, yeah, I can't do this. Well, I want to bring them hope. You can do this. Come on, let's, let's all, then I can engage with them differently. And uh, the minute I heard my, my granddaughter cry, it was almost like a whole new part of my heart opened up uh, to a love that I never knew existed. And, and so it, it changed me. And that was 21 years ago. My oldest granddaughter is 21. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, 
and it just changed me. And, and, and so I would, I would go let the change happen, but I quickly learned that, that I'm not the parent. I'm the grandparent. A, a grandparent isn't a parent on steroids, you know, where it's rules, 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 rules. This is what you do. I think so my grandkids come to my house and there are no rules. Uh, I, I shower them with love and encouragement. I don't tell them what to do. If they got something pierced, I love it. I mean, I don't care. You know, it doesn't matter to me. If they're dressed weird, I really don't care. And I've got some gorgeous grandkids and I'm going, you know, gee, you know, are they, I don't care. I want them to have a place of hope, a place of rest that they can come, that they want to bring their friends to. And that's what's been so much fun, that they want to bring their friends to come by and meet, you know, an old guy and and his wife who's been married for 46 years to, to you know, just to have another circle of, of relationship there. Mm-hmm. And so I listen a lot. I don't offer my opinion uh, unless they ask. I don't give them a reflection on everything unless they ask. Mm-hmm. Um, when they do ask for money or anything else, I give it to them <clears throat> because I will take none of it with me when I'm in that box, you know, either shoved into the ground or being cremated in a, in a oven somewhere. I, yeah, I, I mean, I don't, don't take it. So I might as well give it away. And I think there's scripture that says that, that a, a great uh, grandparent leaves an inheritance to his children, but it's not just it truly is not just money. We get this idea that a legacy is is the amount that you leave in a bank account, but mm. it's really the it's really what you've deposited in their hearts. Mm-hmm. And so I do mm-hmm. things. I do a lot of things with my grandkids. I mean, I go to the Country Music Awards. I I I, I take them to Nashville. I go to California and go to Disneyland. I go to Disney World with them. I do I do things where they have the opportunity to see me and the, and the way that I engage with people, the way I treat people. I you know I. I haven't gone out and bought an, uh, an RV and, and put a, a car on the back of it and driven to Arizona and play shuffleboard the rest of my life. That I really think there's a greater purpose yeah. uh, for most, and that's that grandkids need uh, more people in their life and, and a lot of gray hair to give them the wisdom that they're not getting from anywhere else. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Thank you. And I agree. I think there's a lot of, uh, there's a huge benefit in, you know, someone speaking myself in their, you know, in their twenties and speaking on, mm. you know, ch- chatting with other folks as well. Um, it's like having a grandparent figure in their life, whether it's their grandparent or just another grandparent in their life, um, yeah. is incredibly beneficial and a lot of what well, and, and I never did. Yeah. I never had a grandparent involved in my life. I mean, my yeah. granddad, you know, one of them would take his teeth out and, you know, pick him up from the nurse, and take his teeth out, put a piece of bread and a glass of milk, stir it up, drink it, put the teeth back in. We take him back to the nursing home. Right. right. I, you know, my other grand set of grandparents were a couple of racists that, that would just say inappropriate things yeah. all the time that I don't even think they knew my name. And so I didn't, you know, usually you became a grandparent at 60 and you're dead by 68. Well, you know, that doesn't happen anymore. Right. Right. And I think God's allowing grandparents to stick around so they can have an influence right. on their grandkids. I think that's the sole mm-hmm. purpose. Mm-hmm. So, um, well, Mark, it's been a, it's been a joy having you on, and thanks for sharing a little wow. bit about your story and um, kind of what you've been up to. Where can folks tune in to to what you're doing and just kind of stay up to date with um, yeah. with your books and the and the you know and and uh, ministry too. 
Yeah, you know, I mean, there's Heartlight. I don't push Heartlight a whole lot. I mean, if your kid's struggling, having a tough time, then find out about Heartlight. And uh, but they can find out about all the other stuff, seminars, conferences, and our podcast. It's called Parenting Today's Teens. And then we have a radio program also that's heard on about 1,800 stations across the country. It's called mm-hmm. Parenting Today's Teens with mm-hmm. Mark Gregston. And so you could look it up and find it. But but we're there to provide resources to people and mm-hmm. say, hey, if you need some help, uh, we've got some experience underneath our belt. And, uh, and we've learned a lot of things that we think can help you as you engage with your teens, as you engage with, as you prepare for those teen years, or even if... Uh, even if you're a grandparent. Mm-hmm. So it's mm-hmm. parentingtodaysteens.org. Mm-hmm. Awesome. All right, Mark. Thanks so much for joining. And uh, wish you a, wish you a good day. And uh, and uh, just the, the start of the, the launch as well and among much more. Cool. Thanks. Thanks.